Well, church, good morning. Good morning. The weather this morning has made me realize, I hope you guys have such a great holiday season, uh, which kind of starts this week. If you believe it or not, Thanksgiving is here. Uh, I hope that it goes really well for you. But it made me think, I kind of want to give you a heads up on what it's going to look like here at Stone Oak. So uh, this week ends our Ephesian series, and next week begins a series called Advent. And in Advent, we're going to be kind of preparing ourselves uh, for the birth of Jesus. And we're going to talk about that. But um, as you think about the, the Christmas season coming, uh, I want you to mark your calendars for December 20th. So uh, this year, we're not going to, as a church, have a, a Christmas Eve service, which is a bummer. And uh, just a teaser, next year, we're working on something. But this year, okay, uh, the Sunday before Christmas is going to be our Christmas service. Uh, I say that because I want you to put it on your calendars. I want you to be there if at all possible. If you have an awesome Christmas sweater, that is the time to bring it and to sport it, all right? Um, also, it's a great time if, if, if you know someone you want to invite to join us this weekend. Listen, most people are willing to come for a Christmas service, and I promise you, I promise you that we are going to do our very best to just present a very clear gospel message that morning. And so I want, to, I want you to mark your calendars so that you can be there, but also to invite, and we're going to talk about the birth of our Savior and why it matters. So we're looking forward to that. Um, it's my favorite time of year. Uh, but this morning, I'm a little sad because we are kind of, we're finishing up the book of Ephesians. This book has... It is an incredible book. Uh, this, this time, it has been a joy to be able to preach through this book. It has, it has really done a number on me personally. So if you're here and you say, well, it, hasn't, it doesn't matter. It's been awesome for me, all right? So I am personally really sad that we're closing this book this morning. Uh, having said that, though, I want to get us all caught up a little bit as we land our plane. So... The last three weeks, we've been talking about the way the gospel actually makes a difference in the way we live. So a couple weeks ago, we saw the way the gospel impacts our marriages. Then we talked about the way the gospel impacts our family. And then we talked about the way the gospel is seen in our workplace, how we work. Uh, And it's really been a beautiful picture, a beautiful charge by Paul for us. Uh, So we've seen this vision. We've seen, you know, mutual submission to each other. We've seen a husband and wife in this perfect respect and love relationship. We've seen families thriving, uh, kids honoring, obeying their parents. We've seen parents who are loving and shepherding their kids. And we've seen the way that we showcase kind of the gospel through the work of our hands and our jobs. It's been beautiful. And then this morning, uh, Paul drops a little bit of a bombshell on us. Uh, He drops this uh, just... Right in the middle of this beautiful vision, we have what we read this morning. And you ready? It's this nasty, grimy war that we are currently in with the devil. It's after he paints this beautiful picture of what the gospel looks like lived out. He says, remember, you're in the nasty, grimy war. So before we get into that, um, I want to call something out for us as a church Maybe pick on some of you for a moment. Uh, Depending on your background, depending on the way you were raised, depending on you, you're going to approach this text very differently. 
for some of you, in your life, you are going to look at life through spiritual lenses. This is going to be natural for you. You're going to look at life and you are going to see Let's just say, you're going to be more keenly aware of your own spirituality. You're going to see it more. You're going to see things in life as being spiritual, either spiritual blessings or spiritual attacks. You're going to see it. Uh, Your response when you heard this text read earlier this morning was, amen, it's about time. Let's bring it. Let's talk about this. We've been waiting, right? That's going to be your, your reaction to this. And I know a few people that I have in my life that are like this. Okay, a few people that I have in my life that if they were to see me discouraged or, or worn down or frustrated, the first thing they want to do is call me over and pray for me, lay hands on me, pray for me. They want, their first question is something really deep and profound, like, how's your soul doing right now, right? You know people like this. Maybe you are these people, um, but they are just more in tune. If they see me dealing with someone that I'm just angry at, Uh, they're the ones that are quick to remind me that there's something beneath the surface. Let's look at the root. Let's pray for that. They they have this spiritual lens that they look at their world with, and and they just seem to be more spiritually present. We need people in our lives like this. Let's be honest. You want people like this praying for you. You definitely want these people praying for for you. But at, at times, if you're one of those people, uh, you know that you can go a little overboard sometimes. You laugh because you know it's true. Um, let me give you an example. So if your car now, it just breaks down, it's no longer able to shift. Now, maybe that's a result of a spiritual attack, and maybe you get out and you pray for your car. I'm not putting that down. But there's a reality that you might need a new transmission, right? You need a new transition. So for, for you who have these lenses on, sometimes what you do is you denaturalize the world you live in, and you look for spiritual fixes when at times, pray for it, but then get a new transmission, right? There's a natural aspect. And remember, the natural material is not evil, all right? It's not lesser. It, we live in a natural world. So sometimes we, we miss on this. But, but listen, for those of you who err on this side, we need you. The church needs you. Our church uh, needs you. If you're unsure if you are this person, when you get home, call a friend. They will tell you. If you are this kind of person, we, we need you. The body of Christ needs you. Now, let me, uh, let me talk to the others in the room. My guess is that more of you are going to fit in the second category. And that is you're going to err on the side. You're going to wear lenses of the natural world. You are practical people. You are a practical person. And honestly, spirituality makes you a little uncomfortable Right? It makes you just a little, you want to solve problems with real life, touchable, tangible solutions. Right? And so, um, are you discouraged? Are you feeling weighed down? Well, you probably need to sleep more at night. Right? There's a difference in that. You probably need to look at, maybe take a walk. That might help. Right? Um, Are you depressed? Well, there might be something you need to get help with. Right? It's a different way to solve these things. Um, is your car not switching gears? Let me help you get a new transmission. Practical, touchable. These are important solutions. They're not evil. They're practical. They're, they're, they're touchable. But here's the thing. When, you, when we read this text this morning, some of you in the room, depending on your background, um, your reaction may have been, well, here we go. It's about to get a little kooky. 
We're talking about cosmic battles right now. It's about to get a little kooky in here. Um, most of you, you know, you have a belief in spirituality. You believe in, you know, demons, Satan, the Holy Spirit, angels. You believe in that, but your life doesn't show evidence of that belief. Right? You, you, don't, you don't have room in your life to give things a reason um, to have a spiritual cause. You're practical. You like to touch it, see it, diagram it. Right? Um, if that is you, we need you. We need your practicality. We do. We re- Let me say this, though. This text is going to push on you just a little bit. This text is going to push on you. Because this morning, this text is beautiful. It's rich. It's vital. Um, no matter where you are, though, on the spectrum, no matter what you sit in this place with this morning, this text is going to push you, drive you to a biblical perspective on this. Uh, no matter where you came from, your age, your background, this text is vitally important. And my encouragement is that no matter who you are, hear me, let's come with open hearts and open minds. No matter what you come with, let's come with open hearts and open minds as we look at this text. And with that being said, let's pray and then let's dig in. You pray with me, God, thank you so much for this moment. Thank you for this amazing, incredible book of Ephesians that we've been able to look at over the last couple months. We're grateful. As we finish, I, I pray that, you, that we can finish well and that you continue to open our hearts and open our eyes to what you would have to say to us. And it's for your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, um, let me just read the first part of our passage today. So Paul says, Finally... Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So there it is. That's the bombshell. Paul just identified for us the the attack. Now, before we press through this, get beyond this, I want to kind of lay out for you three aspects of this attack, all right? Three things that I think we need to see before we, before we move on. Um, one is this. This may sound simple. The attack is real. The attack is real, meaning it's real, okay? A real wrestle. Uh, the, the word here is wrestle, like hand-to-hand combat, right? UFC wrestle. This is A real-life wrestle. And just like in a wrestling match, victory is not achieved through denial that your opponent exists. It's real. This is real. We're not going to experience victory through denial. Instead, Paul calls us to realize that this attack is real. And church, let me just be honest. If you're here and you don't realize that the attack is real, chances are that you're, you're losing this wrestling match. Uh, Paul calls us here to realize this attack is real. We have a real enemy that is really scheming for your destruction. It's real. Um, Listen to some of these texts. Uh, You don't need to turn here. All right, this isn't going to be a Bible drill moment. I will put them on the screen. uh, But I want to show you just a couple of texts. And trust me, I could have brought up so many more, okay? But let me just show you a couple. First John 5.15. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. You hear that? 
The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Is there no wonder that our world in its history is a little bit broken? 2 Corinthians 4, uh, verse 4. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So the evil one is actively deceiving the world and actively blinding the minds to see the beautiful gospel of Christ. Active. Um, Acts twenty six eighteen. Uh, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So here Jesus is sending them out. Why? He's sending them out so that they can turn from the power of Satan to God in his light. One more, one final one. Second Corinthians eleven fourteen through 15. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. So he's crafty. He's cunning. He's deceptive. Seldom are his attacks obvious. Um, have any of you seen Night at the Museum 2? So, like, a handful of us. If not, just indulge me for a moment. Uh, there's this scene where General Custer, who is this ridiculous character in this, in this movie, uh, he's, all the good guys are kind of trapped in this shipping container. They're all sitting there following me. I, I will, this will be important, I think. Um, they're sitting in this shipping container, and they're trapped And while they're in there, they're talking about how can we get out? So they're planning their attack and uh, they're coming up with a surprise attack. Here's what it is. The summary of the plan, I didn't go and watch it again. Um, It's for them all to get ready. For all of them to get their weapons in hand. And to wait for the exact moment. And then General Custer says, and then I'm going to yell, attack! As that plan sunk, they looked around and finally one of them uh, speaks up and says, if we yell attack, won't that alert them that we're going to attack? Let me just assure you that our enemy is smarter than General Custer. Seldom is he going to yell attack before he attacks. Seldom is he going to yell attack. Um, He's crafty and his attacks are real. Let's move, though. The second thing I want you to see is that the attack is supernatural. Supernatural meaning we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's supernatural. It goes beyond the natural. So it says that we wrestle against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil. Sounds like Star Wars, right? It sounds like Star Wars. And if you are here and you, again, you err on the side of the natural, this is where I might lose you. Hang on. Hang on with me. Hang in there because, remember, victory is not achieved through denial. So hang with me, okay? Um, If our attack is supernatural, then there's two really obvious observations that we need to make. Um, One is our true enemy is not physical. So if if our... Attack is supernatural, then our true enemy is not physical. So if you're here and you think that your true enemy is a person, 
It's not. That person may be being used, um, but they're not your true enemy. They are not your true enemy. If you believe that, don't buy the lie. Um, your enemy is not physical. And also, the tools of your defense and attack are not physical either. It sounds like a no-brainer, but if, you're, if the attack is supernatural, then your, your tools for meeting that attack are not physical. It's like fighting wind with a sword. It's not going to work very well. You know, um, Our attack is real. Our attack is supernatural. And third is our attack is too much for you alone. And some of you are like, well, that's encouraging. <laughs> the attack is too much for you alone. Um, let me add this, though, is but you're never alone. You're never alone. Our text says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, right? Um, you cannot fight Satan by yourself. You're no match and you will lose. What do we do then? We lean in to the strength of God. We lean in. How do we do this? It's a great question. And we get the privilege of looking at the rest of this text that's going to answer that question for us. How do we do it? The truth is that we stand through his strength and his might. That is the good news. So if we look at this, the attack is real. The attack is supernatural. The attack is too much for you alone. And you're not alone. Okay? Um, Now... We get to look at our defense and our counterattack through Christ. And as, we, as I read this, I want you to listen to the strength here. The bold strength that's going to come off this, this text. So it says, therefore, take up the, the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. You hear that? Stand firm. It's unyielding and not giving an inch. It's strength. Um, he continues, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. So, the context of this text is... is Let's, the Roman soldier. Every soldier, Roman soldier, would, would have six indispensable items. Uh, the belt, the breastplate, the shoes, the shield, the helmet, the sword. Um, and Paul takes that, and he's going to apply it to our spiritual battle. Okay, he's going to take it, apply it, and these things prepare us in Christ for our spiritual battle. So, here's what I want to do. I want to look at our battle gear this morning. Um, I would have loved to have spend, spent a week on each of these. Because they are rich. This has been so incredible for me this week. Um, so instead of making this several weeks, I'm just going to take several hours. And, and I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Kind of. Um, but what I want to do is I want to just look at them. We can go deeper. But I just want to look at because there's something here that we need to see as we consider all of these elements of, of our armor. Let's start with the belt of truth. Some of this is going to, you're going to feel like you're back in Sunday school because I hadn't heard this in a long time. And this just wrecked me as I looked at it this week. Um, let's start with the belt of truth. So the belt uh, for a soldier is crucial. Obvious reasons, the same way your belt is crucial. You lose your pants if you don't have your belt, right? Um, 
the, the soldier would have armor, tunic, sword, things attached to his belt. This belt holds everything together. The belt holds everything in place. And for us, the truth is our belt. For us, the truth is our belt. The truth holds everything in place. And Christian, in battle, if you do not have the truth, you will fall apart. Um, The truth holds everything. The truth of Christ, the truth of the gospel, the truth is your belt in battle. Side note, that's why we do what we do here at Stone Oak. Um, That's why we value teaching scripture. That's why we value... I mean, if you haven't noticed, if you've been here a couple of weeks, we kind of talk about the gospel all the time. It's, it's, we really do. Every chance we get. This is why. Um, we, we value the simplicity of the gospel message. We value preaching it. We, va- we value talking about it. Why? Because it gives you your belt. It holds everything together. It holds everything everything together. If we do this, we become a church, a church family who has our belts in place, holding everything together because the truth is that it holds us together. We could spend more, but I want to look at the breastplate of righteousness. This is the second piece of your armor. Um, Obviously the breastplate is important. For a Roman soldier, this was a, a piece of metal that was worn on the front of their chest. It covered their vital organs, right? It covered their vital organs. It kept them safe from, from uh, enemy swords or attack. It, it protected them. Um, important, right? Can you agree? If you were a soldier, you would want one of these. Um, it protected them. Church, righteousness is your breastplate. Uh, righteousness protects you, protects your vital organs. But hear me. Listen, um, this is really important. The righteousness that protects you and your vital organs is not your own. The righteousness that protects you is God's own righteousness that is freely given to you through the work of Christ. So last week we talked about when Jesus died for you, he didn't just take your sin, right? That didn't, it didn't end there. He gave you in exchange his righteousness, that's your breastplate. That is what protects you. Of 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Um, this is what the church for years has called imputed righteousness. Meaning that God through his son, through his love, through his son, um, died for you. Jesus died for you. He died for sinners and he gave them his righteousness. And so the breastplate of righteousness, here's what I want you to know uh, or see from this. The breastplate of righteousness, this does not call you to try harder, to be better at being good. That's not what this calls you to do in any way. What this calls you to do is to put on Christ. What this calls you to do is to allow Christ to cover you. And we're going to talk more about this. It's so good. Let's move. Let's talk about our shoes. The shoes of the gospel. Um, now, obviously, a soldier's, soldier's shoes, it's hard to say, um, they're important. 
I mean, shoes are important for us when we go to the grocery store, let alone for us to be in war. Shoes are important. Now, for the Roman soldier, these shoes were, were uh, a little leather half boot that protected your ankles, your shins. Um, and hear me, they're not for running. Uh, they're not for retreating. These shoes are um, designed specifically for the purpose of marching and holding your ground in battle. Uh, they're much like a football player, offensive lineman's cleat. Okay? If you don't like football, I'm sorry. I don't use them football analogies very much. But um, an offensive lineman's cleat. So they're on the line. They're dug in. Right? And as soon as that ball is hiked, they're going to get slammed by very angry large men. And they're dug in, and hopefully they're not going anywhere. Those cleats dig in into the solid ground, the hard ground, and they stay and they're strong. It's a little bit like that for a soldier. Dug in so they're not pushed back. They're, they're, they're removable, right? Those are our shoes. The gospel of peace are our shoes, making you immovable. Uh, Romans 5.1. Therefore, since you have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our gospel. We talked about the gospel of peace. That's our gospel. And we're immovable. And this, hear me before we go on. This is not a temporary peace or a shallow peace. This is an eternal peace. Unshakable. And now here's what I want you to listen to. I'm about to read you a text that describes your shoes. Okay? Okay? I'm about to read you a text that describes your shoes. Romans 8, 34 through 39. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Do you feel, feel that? All pushing? No. Immovable. In all these things, he continues, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation, that gets it all, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing moves you when you're wearing your shoes. You are immovable. Um, this is an eternal peace. And we could talk a lot more about it, but let's go to our next one. The shield of faith. Uh, this is referring, just so you know, uh, to a really large shield. The Roman soldiers would carry one of two shields. Uh, one was a little circular shield. That's not for fending off arrows. So that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here in our text is this ridiculously large shield. It's about four foot high, about two and a half feet thick. Or uh, wide, not thick. That would be ridiculous. Um, <laughs> wide. It's two layers thick, and it looked a bit like a door. So the first layer was wood covered with linen and cowhide. The second layer was bound top to bottom with iron. This was not light, right? Like I said, this gear is not meant to run. This gear is meant to be in the battle. So this is a heavy, just beast of a shield. And as a soldier, you could literally put your entire body behind this shield, 
right? And as arrows and javelins are coming your way, they would hit the shield and they wouldn't, they wouldn't touch you. You put yourself behind the, the shield. In many cases, they would light arrows on fire like our text talks about. They would hurl them up in the air. And, and this shield was so thick that it would extinguish these darts. And so you would get behind it, it would hit, just thud, thud, thud. At the end of the battle, you would have this shield with like smoke coming off of it with arrows that were meant for you but didn't find you. And instead, they were extinguished by your shield. And so think of this, church. Faith is your shield. Faith is your shield. So picture yourself tucked behind your shield. And and arrows are coming your way, temptations, deceptions, doubt, thud, thud, thud. Um, materialism, lust, uh, passions, whatever, thud, 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 as you are behind your shield. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture of what is ours in Jesus Christ. First um, John 5, 4 says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. That's good news. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. What is it? Our faith. Our faith. That we are sheltered behind this faith. That that is our shield. Uh, faith in God. Faith in his word. Faith in Christ. That we shelter ourselves against these attacks. Now, the helmet. The helmet of salvation. So, how many would agree that your head is an important part of your body? You want to keep that one safe. If I was going to war, I would want my want my helmet. So did the Romans. And so they would never go to war without a helmet. Uh, these helmets were, were either leather or metal. What they did is they covered the forehead, the cheeks, the back of the neck, the, the small of the nose. They covered, basically everything on your head was covered except for your eyes, your mouth, and the sides of your nose. Um, but you were covered. And you wouldn't go into war without this. Why? Because that helmet is confidence. That helmet gives you confidence. So let's fast forward into 2015. I have an example and I need to apologize. I haven't used a football analogy since we launched this church and I'm doing two this morning. I want you to picture a football game today. This is football Sunday. Whoever your favorite team is, they're going out there. Let's have an experiment. Take all their helmets off. Football is a violent game. You use your body as a weapon. You're throwing yourself all over the place. Take their helmets off. What would happen? Rugby. Rugby. (laughs) That was good. Would you give me that it would slow the pace of this game down? That they probably wouldn't use their head as a weapon like they typically do? Because a helmet gives you confidence. A helmet gives you confidence. These men are fearless behind their helmets. Well, church, the fact of your salvation in Christ... Is your helmet. It is your confidence, meaning that Jesus, that God saved you, that Jesus died for you, the Spirit sealed you. It's a work of God, not your own work. You're acknowledging His work, but that truth of your salvation in Christ is the greatest source of confidence that you could ever have. That is it. That is your helmet. Nothing can penetrate your helmet. Um, your confidence is eternal. It's through Christ. And this leads us then <clears throat> to our last, uh, our last piece of your armor, and that's the sword. 
So up to this point, we've talked about everything that's been defensive until now. Now you're given something to counter, to counterattack. Um, so a typical Roman soldier's sword is a short sword. And it's double-sided, things sharp, and it's meant for just, it's the perfect tool for close, hand-to-hand combat, right? Uh, it, it's a perfect tool for hand-to-hand combat. So imagine the imagery of this, that not only are you equipped for the, for the attack to come to you, but you are also now called, given a weapon, to be on the offensive. Uh, and what's your weapon? It's not your cunning It's not your wise words, your wisdom, your strength, your willpower. It's not your abilities. It's not your strength. It's not your skills. It's none of that. No, the fact is it's nothing in you. It's the spirit through the word of God. Let me show you a scriptural example of this. So Matthew 4, Jesus, he's on earth and and, and Satan tempts him three times. He comes at him with three temptations to try to tempt our savior each time jesus goes on the offensive each time uh, he he feels the attack then he comes back at satan with the word of god quoting deuteronomy each time he goes on the offensive he wields his weapon and causes the enemy to flee now dumb question here but if jesus christ the god man God in the flesh. If he countered the attacks of the enemy through the word of God. Think about it. Who are we to think that we could counter the attacks of the enemy with willpower? If that's what my savior did, we have a weapon. The spirit of God moves through, let's be honest, he moves through this. That there is power in the word of God because the spirit moves through this. Um, and by the way, just a side note here before we move on. This is not to be a sword used to attack fellow soldiers. All right, this is, that's misusing your weapon. Um, it's an attack, it's, it's a sword used to counter attack from the enemy. Um, so together, all of that is your armor. That's beautiful, isn't it? It's a beautiful representation of, of what's ours in Christ. But do you notice something about our armor? Um, let me say this. None. None. Say that with me. None. None of it is us. None of it has anything to do with me, my strength, my ability. All of the armor has to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Follow me, okay? So we have the belt. That's the truth of Christ, the truth of the gospel, uh, the gospel holding everything together. Then you have your breastplate. That's the righteousness of Christ, not you. That's the righteousness of Christ that protects you. It's a righteous. Then you have your shoes. That again is the gospel, right? That's the gospel. It gives us the ability to not be moved. Feet firmly planted. Then we have the shield. That's the gift of faith through Jesus Christ. It's faith in his work. Not ours. And that shield protects us from all of those flaming and fiery arrows that are coming our way. And then you have the helmet. That's the work of God in your salvation. Not your work. Right? Um, your confidence then is in his work, not yours. And then lastly, you have your sword. And not even that's you. That's 
the word of God. That's the spirit of God through the word of God. That is not yours. You're, it's not in your ability. It's not in your ability to counterattack the attack of the devil. Here's what this means. We have nothing to boast in. We have nothing at all to boast in other than Christ. And we have nothing to be confident in apart from Christ. Nothing. But through Christ, we have every reason to have every confidence in the world. This goes back to the beginning of our text. Paul was, was saying, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. It's his strength. It's his might. And so let me encourage you before we move on that you have everything as a soldier that you need to counter the attack. You have everything you need through Christ. You are fully equipped for this battle. Fully equipped for this battle. Um, the attack is real. The attack is supernatural. The attack is too much for you alone. And that and's really important. You are never alone. And some of you right now are in the midst of an attack right now. Um, some of you, the attack is relentless. You feel discouraged right now. If you're just being honest, you feel discouraged. You may be dealing with depression, anxiety. You may be walking in sin. You may, be, you may feel beat down. Hear me. You have everything in Christ that you need to com combat this attack. Not, in your, not, not on your own, but through Christ, you have everything you need to stand. And so again, our, our call to action this morning is really simple. It's really simple. And um, maybe you're here and you have ignored me every time I have given this call for action. Shame on you. But this call for action is very, very simple. And it's just this. Come to Christ. Come to Christ. Stop waiting. Come to Christ. In him, you are suited up with armor. Through him, you are protected from all attacks. In a moment, we're going to pray together. And then we're going to sing a song kind of in response to this. And during that time, as we pray, come to Jesus. Surrender to him. Ask God to clothe you in that armor. As we sing, we're about to sing some incredible lyrics together as a church. Proclaim them. Make this your response song to, to this. It is all about the gospel. And if you do not know Christ, you cannot know the goodness of his armor. Don't pursue the armor. You pursue Christ. And he clothes you in this armor. Come to Christ. And there's one final thing that I want us to end with this morning. As we finish out our text, um, let me read this last section to you. It says, To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the gospel, the mystery of that gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Um, church, we've spent the last several months reading, studying, sitting in this book, 
of Ephesians. Uh, every week, Paul presents us the gospel. Every week. We have sat in it for months. Uh, the mystery of Christ has been presented to us. It's been beautiful. Hear me, though. It is not given for you, though, to simply sit and soak. So in other words, all of this beautiful gospel that we've been reading and talking about for the past several months, it's not just for you to say, oh, that's awesome. I'll take that. Put that in my pocket. I'm good to go. That It's not for you to sit and soak. Hear me. Paul says that words may be given to me to open my mouth, to boldly pro- proclaim the mystery of the gospel, right? As an ambassador in change, that I may declare it again boldly as I ought to speak. And so... Here's the charge in conclusion of our series. Proclaim this boldly. Uh, open your mouth. As an ambassador, declare this boldly. And to that end, can I pray for us? God, you are good. And your gospel is beautiful, life-changing, life-giving. It's all about you. It's all about your gospel. For those of us in this room who have not responded to your gospel, let this be the moment. Let this be the moment. That we come to you. Because absolutely none of what we've been, had the joy of looking at for the past several months makes any sense apart from you. If we don't start with your gospel, we have nothing. But when we come to you, we have everything. So for those of us here who have not responded yet to your call, let this be the moment. If we're unsure in this room, let this be the moment. Provide boldness and open the eyes of our hearts that we can respond to you. And God, as we as a church have said and we've been encouraged and lifted up and strengthened by your word in Ephesians, help us realize that you did not give us this truth and this beauty and this gospel that we can keep it hidden within us, but that you have given it to, given it to us like Paul that we can now open our mouths. So God, as we leave this place, as life starts next week in our workplace, as we go and we are with family next week, whatever, wherever you take us, God, open our mouths. Show us ways that we can share your gospel. Help us to be bold. Help us to be bold. And God, in these next few moments as we respond uh, through song, I pray that we can lift our eyes to you. That as we proclaim the words of this ancient creed, that we together stand as one people and declare that this is the truth. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray.